Well, I got in trouble last time I spoke to you guys. I have taken so much harassment, I just want you all to know it is the Trader Barry's fault. He was texting during my sermon, giving blow-by-blow updates on my progress and my length of time. So I'm going to tell you, though, I've come a long way in my speaking before uh, folks in public. When, uh, when I uh, first uh, began to be drawn on to, uh, to fill in for pastors and as a layperson in the church, uh, one of the times I got up there and, you know, I've got my outline, I'm all nervous, and I'm just, boy, I'm going like a house of fire. And guess what? I went through my entire outline in 12 minutes. And I looked at my watch and I said, well, oh my goodness, I, I can't let church out this early. I can't have church let out in 12 minutes. I'll never hear an end of it. Well, you can't let it go out 12 past either, let me just tell you. But <clears throat> So you know what I did? I just started over. I did it twice. I went through it again in another 12 minutes. And I just repeated everything all over again. You know, I don't think people even knew. I just thought they, they thought, you know, I'm just, you know, rehashing the whole deal. And, and so I've come a long way. And so last, last time I spoke, I guess it was like, 50-ish minutes, so uh, nobody stoned me, so uh, I think it was all right, but the, today I'm going to try and get you out of here on time, as this is the last official service at this campus, we want it to be a good one, we don't want anybody to leave angry, right, at the preacher, and so we're going <clears> to <throat> look in the, the book of Lamentations this morning, and I owe Mike an apology before I get started, I, I had uh, been working on trying to figure out what my sermon would be, and I, I'm, I don't do this all the time, so I'm a little slower at it, and, and so I wasn't sure because I had three, and I had to pick one that I had done, and so I finally whittled it down, and he wanted to know so he can help wrap the songs around the message, and it can all flow together, and he did a great job because I'm going to talk about waiting on the Lord, and Mike's songs that he picked were about all about the Lord, and so it was a good thing, and so we're going to turn, if you would, into your Bibles to the book of Lamentations. We're going to be in chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses there, chapter 3, verses 20 through 26. Now, just let me set the stage for you. This was written during or soon after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., uh, and it was most likely written by the prophet Jeremiah. It was a terrible time of judgment, which included the captivity and the fall of Israel uh, by the king uh, of the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it was a terrible time of judgment. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah had been, uh, again, uh, warning the people and calling the people to repentance and calling the people back to God, and they failed to turn and, and so now the outcome is God is judging them, and they're in the midst of that judgment. It is a terrible time. It is so terrible. Uh, the, the, the city has been under a siege for a prolonged period of time, around 18 months, and things have become so desperate for food and for substance that uh, parents and people are eating their own children who have died. That's how bleak the circumstances and the times are when Jeremiah is writing the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations, uh, uh, the meaning of the word Lamentations is a cry out. And so again, uh, this is from Jeremiah, who is an eyewitness to all that the people are going through and the judgment that God is pouring out on them and, 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 and all the hardships that they are facing. Uh, Jeremiah writes and pins this lamentation or this cry out to God, right? And so <clears throat> we're going to pick up now and it says this in verse 20 of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Verse 21 says, This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. 
for his compassions never fail. They are anew every morning, and a favorite, favorite phrase of mine, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. So here in the midst of this relentless sorrow over Judah's judgment, it drives Jeremiah to consider the very character of God. It drives Jeremiah to consider his position before God and who it is that God he serves. Even in the midst of this judgment, even in the midst of all of this difficulty, even in the midst of everything that's going on, it drives Jeremiah to consider the very character and the very nature of God. And, and this is a lesson for, uh, for believers today that oftentimes God uses the circumstances in your life for your good, right? To bring you into a position of recognizing, uh, recognizing his proper place in your life. And he calls on us to wait on him in these circumstances. He calls on us to wait on God and for the, the attributes, uh, the conclusion that Jeremiah comes to about the goodness of God. And about the fact that it's good to wait on God to act on your behalf, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life. And so, let me just say this. As a Christian, as a believer, our Christian life, your Christian life, my Christian life, will never be all that it can be until as believers, we learn to wait on God. How, how different that is from what the world tells us to do, right? We need to take the bull by the horn. We need to, uh, you know, we need to, uh, to, to make sure that we work out all the details in our life, that we are in control, um, that we are driving the ship, um, that we take ownership every, of everything, and that it's all about us. It's all about what we want, about what we desire, and about what we want to accomplish with ourselves, right? And the, God's approach is totally different from that. He says, no, I'm in control, and you need to wait on me. And so again, believers will never have a full Christian life and never experience God to the fullest until they learn to wait on God and what God is going to do in their life. So, you know, again, we trust God for our eternity, but we so often don't want to allow God or wait for God in our today, right? And it is against, against again, a, a common sense as a believer not to have a desire to wait on God and to see him work on our life. Waiting on the Lord places our life in the proper perspective. It demonstrates that we acknowledge who's really in control, right? When we wait on God, it demonstrates that we recognize his sovereignty in all things in our life. And it demonstrates that we trust him and that we are waiting for the outcome that the Lord intends for our life, James tells us. And so, again, waiting on the Lord places our life in the proper perspective, it demonstrates the reality of us acknowledging who's really in control. It also demonstrates the reality of it's about God's timing in our life, not about our timing. I'm an impatient guy by nature. You can ask my wife and my children, and they will tell you. I don't like to wait around for anybody. I don't like to wait around for anything. And, and so one of the hardest lessons in my life has been to learn to wait on God. And so... Again, if we want to experience God in his fullness, we need to place God in the proper place, in the proper perspective, and wait on him. Waiting on the Lord 
also demonstrates the object of our affection. Who do we love the most in the situation that we're going through? Is it about what we want? Do we love ourselves more than we love God? Or is it about what God wants and about God's glory in the situation? Do we wait on God to demonstrate himself strong in our life so that he gets the glory? Because we love him the most? Believers claim to love Jesus, but sometimes our actions demonstrate something different than that reality. When we don't want to wait on God, we're saying, I don't care, God, what you say. I don't care, God, what you want to do. I don't care about you getting the glory. My affection is on myself. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I desire. It's about what I want to accomplish. And we don't wait on God. And we move in front of what God is doing in our life. And we get out of God's will for our life because our affections are placed in the wrong direction. Right? And so, again... Waiting on God demonstrates the reality of where our affections are placed. Waiting on the Lord also reveals how we value our relationship with him. The old Baptist preacher that you all know and love, and I do too, Charles Stanley, said this. The determining factor of how patient I am going to be in whatever circumstance is the value I place on the object of my patience. Let me read that to you one more time. The determining factor of how patient I'm going to be in whatever circumstance in whatever circumstance is the value I place on the object of my patience. In other words, if it's worth something, then it's worth waiting for. Right? How many of you remember when you were dating and when you were young and you were waiting for that special someone? Right? Let me just say, my wife was worth waiting for, right? Let me just say. God is worth waiting for. He has a plan for your life. Nothing is left to chance. There is no such thing as chance. And God has is, God is, got a plan for you, and it is worth waiting in your life for God's best for you. And so wait for the Lord. It says uh, waiting, <clears throat> waiting on the Lord allows us to experience him also in his complete fullness. You know, when we wait on God, we get to experience the fullness of God and how he orchestrates and works in our life. If we get ahead of God, we miss those opportunities because we have side-railed what God's plan for our life is, and we have substituted it with our own desires and our own direction, and we miss the very benefit of experiencing relationship and the work of God in our life when we will not wait on God. And so we need to wait on God as believers if we want to experience the fullness of God in our life. We must learn to wait on God. So you say, Troy, how do we learn to wait on the Lord? If you're like me, you had to learn this because it doesn't come natural to wait, right? It doesn't come natural. Uh, I remember a long time ago in a sermon uh, that helped me to stop and to pause and to wait more on God. He said, you know, when a door opens in your life... Go check and see whose hand is on the knob. Because circumstances of life happen, and the devil is at work. And, and, and this is, uh, again, uh, we, we're in a spiritual warfare, right? And we want, we want to wait for what God has planned for us and what God is doing in our life. And we need to be careful that we check the things that are happening in our life against the reality of God and make sure that it's his will for our life and not something else. And so... We want to learn to wait. How do we do that? Well, our text goes a long way in helping us to understand 
how we learn to wait on God. And Jeremiah in verses 20 and 21 says this, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. And he says in verse 21, This I recall to my mind. And because I recall, and he lists these things that we're about to read, he says, therefore I have hope. So be sensitive. The first thing is we want to do is be sensitive and to remember who we're waiting on. Jeremiah lists all these things about God, right? All these things that allows him to have hope. All these things that allows him to wait on God. Because why? He is sensitive to and remembers who God is and who he's waiting on. So when we get in the rush of life and we begin to go out and go willy-nilly and we begin to go out and take control of the circumstances of our life and think that we can fix it, we need to stop and think who we're waiting on. We need to stop and think about the God that we serve and all that he is and it will influence us to wait. Right? Because we know that he can handle whatever situation that we find ourselves in. So the first thing that we need to do to learn to wait on God is to, again, remember who we're waiting on. Let's just think about that a little deeper. First of all, who the Lord is. Let's think about some of the things we know about the Lord. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And that statement means that he is the all-encompassing God, right? There is no shortage in God. He He is everything from the day he starts, from the beginning to the end. And God is complete in everything. And so we're waiting on a God that lacks nothing to be able to work in our lives. He is also the everlasting Father, the Bible tells us. And we're not going to go through all of these, but we're going to go through a few of them just to remember who it is that we're waiting on. He is a Father that loves us. He is a Father that has made us heirs and joint heirs with Christ. He is a Father that wants the very best for His children, and that's who we're waiting on, the everlasting Father. Also, we want to remember this, that He is our Creator. We owe Him Uh, patience because he created us, right? Why would we think that we should be able to, again, uh, have the ability to to push God in the direction that we want to take him when he is the very essence that created you and I? And so we want to wait on him and recognize him because he is our creator. And lastly, I just want to point out one more thing. He is the Lord God Almighty. That doesn't humble you to bow down before him and wait. Then your heart is cold and you are undone. He is the Lord God Almighty. And we must wait on him. So, remember this also. that the, uh, Remember the never-ending, never-failing love of God. Jeremiah points us to that. And this is another prominent reason why... We are called to wait. It says, the Lord's loving kindness in verse 22, indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. So when you remember God and you're you're trying to wait on him, remember his never-ending, never-ceasing love and compassion for you. Do we not want to love God in the same way that he loves us? Do we not want to reciprocate the love that we have for God back to him? And and that he loved us. Why do we love him? The Bible tells us. Because he first loved us. 
waiting on God, again, demonstrates the value we place on God and the love and the affection that we have for God. So we want to wait on God because we love God, and we want to wait on God because God loves us. God loves us, and Jeremiah reminds us of that in that text. The other thing Jeremiah reminds us of is in verse 25. He is basically giving us a call to learn to listen to him. He has all the answers and the resources, and in verse 25 he says, the Lord is good to those who wait on him, and he says, here's the key, to the person who seeks him. To this person who seeks him. If you've got a difficult situation in your life, isn't it common sense that you would seek the one who has the answers and the resources to help you overcome that difficult situation in your life? So we seek him because he has the answers. And so that's how we learn to wake up. We seek, we seek him. The next thing we want to do to learn how to wait on the Lord is found in also in verse 23. He says again, great is your faithfulness. And what is Jeremiah telling us there? He's telling us that we can trust God. If we want to learn to wait on God, we need to trust God. After all, isn't God looking out for our welfare and our best interest? Isn't he given his only begotten son on our behalf to, get, to restore our relationship with him? And so we must trust God if we're going to wait on God. If we're, if we're not trusting God, it, a, a good demonstration is not waiting, right? It's like, God, I got this. Don't, don't bother. And so again, we want to learn to trust God while we wait on him. He knows every detail of our circumstances. Therefore, it's always wisest to wait on him. And then he gives us a, a, another little statement here that really, really is important. And in verse 26, he says it's good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Why do you think Jeremiah said that, that we wait silently? Because that demonstrates, that demonstrates the attitude in which we are waiting. We're not, we're not waiting on God. Let me just say, we're not waiting on God and second-guessing him by saying, come on, God, can't you just answer my prayers? God, can't you answer my prayer today? Uh, uh, we're not waiting. We're not, again, uh, we're not, our attitude is not complaining about what God is doing or not doing in our life, right? How many times as believers do we complain that things are not the way we would like them to be in our life? When we wait silently, we are truly learning to wait on God because we are in anticipation of what he's going to do and we're not bent about what he's going to do or not do in our life. We are patiently, silently, respectfully waiting on God to work in our life. And so again, Jeremiah gives us a good example of what it looks like to wait on God when he says to wait silently. Christians are probably some of the worst, and I'm including myself in this, about grumbling and complaining about what's going on in my life. Right? And so again, silently is the attitude. Silently demonstrates the true attitude of a servant of God who is waiting on God. So again, what happens when we do learn to do these things correctly in our Christian life, what happens when we learn to wait on the Lord? Well, waiting on the Lord 
First of all, we find in verse 25, brings us his favor. Who doesn't want the favor of God on their life? Who doesn't want God's blessing on their life? How many of us pray all the time for God's blessing on our life, that God would bless us, right? Well, one of the keys to the blessings of God is waiting on God because God favors those who wait on him. And Scripture tells us that in many places. And so if we want God's favor in our life, we will wait for God. Let me give you this verse, Psalms 147, David says this in verse 11, the Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. God favors those who wait for his loving kindness. The next thing that happens when we learn to wait on the Lord is that God sustains or strengthens those who wait on him. You know, we sometimes get exasperated with the circumstances of our life and we get weary and we don't sleep well and we have all these issues going on. But if we're waiting on the Lord in the most difficult of circumstances in our life, he will strengthen us and he will sustain us. Let me give you a verse that I'm sure you know. He says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, he gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. This is a powerful text. Those youths, though you grow weary and tired and vigorous young men may stumble, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like, eagle, like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Again, one of the benefits of learning to wait on God is that when we are waiting on God, remember this, God is at work in our life. God is at work strengthening us and giving us the ability to handle the situations. The Bible promises, God promises, that he will never put more on us than we are able to bear. And so again, when we learn to wait on God, we experience the strengthening power of God in our life in every single circumstance. When we learn to wait on God, we experience the power of God to accomplish his purpose in our life. When we learn to wait. The next thing that happens when we learn to wait on God is that it ensures a good outcome. Look at verse 26. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. That word salvation is talking about preservation preservation, or deliverance from harm or ruin or loss. When we wait on God, the outcome is going to be beneficial to us. Romans 8, 28, I'm going to say it probably three times in this sermon because it it just absolutely applies. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. When we wait on God and his, his purposes and his plans, things just turn out good. You know, sometimes we may not see the good at the moment. I'm sure Jeremiah as he was looking around at people eating their children and eating pigeon dung and and having all the, the, the hardships that was going on in their lives at that time, could not see the good there. But you know what happened is God brought his people back to him and they began to serve him again. And he preserved them in captivity with the Babylonians and he was faithful to them and he was able to demonstrate to them his love for them in that circumstance and that was good for them. Because living apart from God and God's will in your life is never good. And so again, 
It is good for us. It is, it is a, a salvation for us that we wait on God because things will work out for our good in that situation. Again, God works for those who wait. Look at Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. It says this, it says, For from the days of old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor have the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. So remember this. Again, remember this. When things in your life you can't see, you can't see your way out, it's not the way you want it, remember this. While you are waiting, God is working. When you are waiting, God is working. You see, he is not powerless. He is not clueless. He is is not distant. He is not detached from what's going on in your life. He is present. He is working. He is in control. He is powerful. He has all the resources necessary to bring you through whatever trial, tribulation, and testing of your faith that he puts you into. God is more than able and capable and willing and will bring you through. So when you are waiting on God, remember that God is working for you. That should give every believer a sense of of encouragement and a sense of power and a sense of desire to wait on the Lord. And so again, God is working when we are waiting I'm going to give you, when we wait on the Lord, we begin to live out our faith to the fullest, regardless of the circumstances we go through. When we truly learn to wait on God, the circumstances really begin to not matter. When we begin to wait on God, what happens? Our perspective becomes eternal, an eternal perspective, right? We're looking at things for the long haul and not for the short temporal aspect of our life. When we begin to wait on God, our view of God, our view of the circumstances take on an eternal nature. Right, And we know that things may be difficult in this life, but we know what God has prepared for those who diligently seek him and for those that love him. And so we know that in the end, everything's going to be okay. Now, how does that look lived out in the life of believers? I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to give you some examples of how this looks lived out in the life of believers, and then we can find them all over Scripture. Why is it that believers can turn the other cheek? Why is it that believers who are charged to turn the other cheek can do that? Because we're waiting on God. Because we know that God says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And we know that shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And so we can, in the midst of adversity, even to the point of physical distress of someone striking us, We can wait on God in that circumstance and live out the principle of waiting on the Lord even in the most difficult times. Let me give you another one. Why can believers handle trials, tribulations, and testings of their faith? Again, because we're waiting on God. We can recall to mind the facts that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so no matter what's going on around us, we know that he is faithful to be there, to be present. His promises are true in our life, and God is with us in the midst of that trial and in the midst of that tribulation. 
Let me give you another one. How is it that believers can have peace in the midst of the greatest turmoil? Because we are waiting on God. And God has told us that he would give us a peace that passes understanding. And because God made a promise to us through his son that says this in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And because we wait on God, because he gives us peace to be able to do it. Let me give you one more. Let me give you two really good ones. I want you to think back to the scripture that tells us about the experience of Paul and Silas. Who were preaching the gospel. Who were taken and charged and beaten and shackled and thrust into prison. And they were able to do something that only somebody who waits on God could do. They were singing and rejoicing in the midst of that trial. Why? Because they were waiting on God. And guess what? Now, this is going to get your blood, flow, your blood flowing and you're just going, guess what? They were waiting on God and God showed up. God sent his angel, right? He shook the earth. The prison doors opened. The shackles fell off. And God was glorified because Paul and Silas were willing to wait on God in that circumstance of their life. Now I'm going to give you the ultimate example of somebody waiting on God. And this message is going to close early. You're going to be out quick. It says, lastly, we have the example of our Lord who did all things well. I want you to think about this, and I want you to really roll this over in your mind as the Lord approached the cross. He was able to pray, If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. How was he able to do that? And then he went on to the cross. And he died in our place. How was he able to do that? God knew. Jesus knew that he could wait on God that he could wait on the Father, and that what God was doing in his life had a purpose and a plan, and that God was in control. And he waited on God, and what happened? Just like Paul and Silas, but three days later. God sent his angel. He showed up. The earth shook, and the stone was rolled away. Now, what do you think about that? The stone was rolled away, and now we have Jesus alive and lives forevermore, right? Right? Because Jesus was faithful to wait on the Father and the Father's plan for his life. And even though it was difficult and even though it was excruciating and that he had to go through so many things and he had to give up heaven and he had to become a man and he had to to be tempted and he had to be separated from the Father and he had to bear my sins and he had to bear your sins. Jesus waited on the Lord because he knew that God was faithful. He knew all the things that that, uh, Jeremiah had said about God were true. He knew that what... Uh, 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 Jeremiah had said was true because he had experienced God in his life as God the Son, right? And we know what Jeremiah is saying is true because why? We have experienced God in our life. Have you not experienced all the things that Jeremiah said to us about God in your life? 
He is a good God, right? And he does good to those that wait on him. Let me give you some verses. David said this, and David, David really must have been working on waiting on God because he spoke about it a lot. He says in Psalms 40, verses 1 through 4, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I wait patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And this is a great, great text. He says, And he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. So David, even in the midst of all the trials and the tribulations that we know that he experienced in his Christian walk, learned to wait on God. And, and because he learned to wait on God, he experienced God's transforming power in his life and, and God taking him from a, a low place in his life and putting him in a solid place in his life, a, a solid place of benefit and where he could rejoice and he could see the goodness of God and he could express it to those around us. And let me tell you something, waiting on God gives us the ability to, again, experience the goodness of God when he takes us from our sin and our lost state and he sets us into a place uh, in, in relationship with him for all of eternity that we can express that to the world around us and we can bring him glory just as, as David is expressing to him in these verses. David also says in Psalm 62 verses 5 through 8, he says, my soul wait thou only upon God. And that's an interesting thing because sometimes we want to mix other things in with waiting on God. We, God will wait on you, but while I'm waiting on you, I'm going to do this and this and this just in case you don't have it under control. But that's not the attitude and the mindset that David expressed in these verses. This is my soul waits only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And so again, in Psalms 25, verses 2 through 3, David says this, Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. And what is David saying there? Even though everybody is attacking me, even though everybody is trying to bring me down, and nobody else has my interest at heart, I can depend and I can trust God in this circumstance. And he's like, God, don't let me be ashamed because I'm counting on you. And let me tell you something. God will never let you be ashamed when you wait on him. Never. And so David expresses that to us, and it's again something we must keep in mind. <clears throat> and then in Psalms 147.11, again, here's why we need to learn to wait on God. This is really the crux of it. It says, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Did you not want to be an object that God takes pleasure in? Do you not want to build your relationship with him to the point where God expresses pleasure in relationship with you? Is your Christian walk so shallow that you don't consider the God that you serve to the level that you ought to, to bring him the pleasure that he deserves because he is your God? That might sound a little harsh, but it should. Our Christian walk, our Christian life, our relationship with God is not all about us. And when we wait on God, it demonstrates the reality that we get it. 
that we understand what this relationship is about. Let me just close with this for you to think about and you to consider. The eternal, uh, the eternal God of heaven is not in a hurry. He's not on a timetable that you and I are on. You know, our life is finite, and so we, we think everything has to be mapped out, and everything has to go according to plan, and everything has to be exactly the way we think it because time is short. Life is but a vapor. The Bible tells us that, and we recognize that, and we know that. And so we begin to think that we can impress and impose our, our restrictions of time on God, but he is the eternal God, and, and time means nothing to him. Again, he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. And so, uh, again, God doesn't get in a hurry. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times in my life I have thought God should do something a certain way, a certain time, a certain place, uh, and God ne- almost never, almost never does it the way that I think that he will. Why? He's teaching me to wait on him. Joy for the believer is found in waiting on God. Joy and fulfillment as a believer is found in waiting on God. So as we close today, I want you to consider in your relationship, how effective are you at waiting on God in your life? Because it should be something that we all pay close attention to because it brings God pleasure, and we all want to please him. How many want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful for your word. And God, the the gems found in scripture, the revelation of yourself to us that we can latch on to and incorporate in our life to have fellowship with you. God, help us to wait on you. We get in such a rush. We want everything our way in our time. And and God, it just shows that we're not yielding to you. We're not submitting to you. Uh, Lord, we're we're not loving you the way that we ought to. I pray that you'd help us as believers to soften our hearts to the concept of waiting on God in our life. I pray, God, that you would speak to those folks, Lord, in this congregation who need to learn to wait more effectively to bring you glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Brother Mike.